Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the 2021, uh, I guess, kickoff of the Crash Course Podcast. Um, podcasts, I say plural, because uh, we've got a lot of them on deck. I'm joined by Cody McBride. Cody, how are you? Great. How are you doing today, Neil? I'm doing excellent. For those that don't know, Cody is the newest member of No Laying Up, and he's uh, actually helping us out a lot with the crash course, making sure we uh, uh, we you know keep publishing them. I think we kind of fell off the wagon a little bit, um, but uh, we've got a lot of them dialed up. We've been uh, we've been stockpiling them the last two three months, um, you know, and it's going to be a wide range of courses. You know, the uh, the strap courses, the C suite courses, and and all the stuff in between. Um, so, Cody, what what uh, what gets you excited about the pod, the uh, crash course stuff? I think it's uh, everything that it encompassed. It doesn't matter if it could be the most private club in America, which we're going to lead the series off uh, with, or it could be any of the courses that you know you or Big have, have visited on your travels uh, for straps. So I love that it's a complete mixture. Um, you know, for me being a, a Midwest guy, I'm excited to throw a little Midwest flair in there as well and, and throw a little bit of the heartland that, that nobody ever really gets to see or talk about. Definitely. And I hope, hopefully it goes hand in hand. Uh, we're launching a new course map on our website very soon. Um, so, you know, we're recording this in April, but hopefully by the end of April, um, you know, all these crash courses, all the tourist sauce, all, every place we've visited in golf and, and uh, have a piece of content about will be um, indexable, if that's a word, on this course map at uh, nolayingup.com um, to kind of make it a, uh, a one-stop shop for, uh, for golf course research. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, what can the listeners expect? How many, how many, you know, what's, what's the cadence? What's the, uh, what's the volume we're going for monthly with these crash courses, Cody? Monthly. I mean, we're, we're kicking this thing off and we're, we're coming in hot with it. So we're going to be at a clip of two podcasts a week, uh, all the way through about the end of the year. So obviously, you know, holidays and some other bigger, bigger events might throw us off that schedule, but. We're going to go two a week, Tuesdays and Friday morning, publishing for pods. And then we also have Crash Course Video that we're going to get about three or four videos out a month as well. All of this is made possible by, you know, a new presenting sponsor that we're bringing on to the Crash Course, and that's Cooper Tires. Very excited about it. Happy to have them on board. And, and you know, this wouldn't be possible without their support. So outside of that, Neil... Any other uh, parting shots, words of advice for me before we get this thing rolling? Well, I'd just say with, with Cooper, it's kind of like the uh, the Michelin stars for restaurant. You know, maybe maybe this is the, the Cooper, you know, the Cooper rings for uh, for golf course reviews. Um, and, you know, and what people can expect, these are 20, 30 minute, maybe longer podcasts. And we're trying to identify, you know, where is this course? What's the history? Uh, what do you like about it? Um, you know, what was your favorite hole and kind of what you shot and parting thoughts. So kind of a, you know, as the name describes a quick crash course in, uh, in each, in, in each spot. Um, so yeah, with that, um, let's, uh, let's go launch them, bud. As I mentioned earlier, the crash course podcast and crash course video series is presented by Cooper tires. They have a great option. They want you to know about it is the Cooper discoverer and Duramax. The Enduramax tire has enhanced durability thanks to technology from Cooper's off-road truck tires. This means drivers can tackle any road condition with a smooth, quiet ride. The Enduramax is packed with cut-and-chip-resistant tread technology. That helps you combat poor road conditions that try to chew up your tires. 
Its improved internal construction helps provide an even footprint and thus improves tread wear. Light truck belts have been integrated into the design, helping to improve strength and overall driver handling. If you drive an SUV, you need this tire. All Cooper tires are backed by a limited warranty, a 45-day test drive warranty, and select products are backed by a treadwear mileage warranty, helping to give you confidence on the road. For complete product and warranty details, please visit www.coopertires.com or www.coopertires.ca. All right, ladies and gentlemen, crash course enthusiasts, welcome back to another episode. I'm joined by TC. TC, how are you? Hey, Neil. I'm good, man. What are we talking about today? Uh, Nash, National Golf Links of America. Sheesh. NGLA. The C-Suite. The C-Suite. Would you call it the home of C-Suite Golf in America? And if not, what would be? Mm. I don't know. It's tough because it's... Maybe your experience was different than mine, but I found it to be almost elevated above the C-Suite. Masters of the Universe. Yeah, it was a thrill for me to rub it, where I rub elbows with the uh, with the masters out there. But it's such a, you know, I, I've never played Muirfield over in Scotland, but I imagine it's a it's similar to that, where it's almost that shabby, um, shabby chic, that that uh, that gentlemanly, you know, like aggressively understated stuff. Where you go in the clubhouse, like you go in and and. The locker room's in the basement, and they've got exposed rafters, and, um, you know, the halfway house is probably my favorite in all of golf. Uh, Aggressively understated is a good way to put it. In in some ways, I mean, the clubhouse is still has that, you know, robber baron vibe to it. I mean, the gates driving in are a little... Yeah, I mean, it's still a, like a little out on Long Island. Right? And yeah, it's, it's very... You know where you are. You certainly do. But they don't have to lay it on you. you yeah. Know? For sure. So I've I, so let's start there. Where is this course? It is on the Peconic Bay, uh, out on the uh, out on Long Island, uh, right next to Shinnecock, and um, kind of sandwiched between Shinnecock and Sabonic there. And um, yeah, probably you can't find a more opposite place than Sabonic to National. Yeah, I, spending time in New York during college, I you know, and then afterwards, I've been out to the Hamptons. You know, a few times, uh, not to play golf, and I was always blown away by, and kind of confused on. This is kind of pre NLU days or early NLU days on, like how, like so. There's all this good golf out here. Like, where is it? And it's and and going to National and uh, playing at Southampton a couple years ago. It's crazy how it's all it's sandwiched in and like pinched into this like where where Long Island gets really skinny with the Atlantic Ocean and the Peconic Bay. And then, like, all these clubs, it's like a neighborhood. Like, they're all right next to each other. And when you're not familiar or you don't have access to these places, you're like, where could these courses be? And it kind of blows you away that, like, wait, so they're all just, like, right next to each other? And they're all just, like, super private. But then you can drive down that, you know, I think it's Tuckahoe Road, and you're driving, Mm -hmm. like, to Public Road, like, that goes right down – Right past, through the course. Right through Shinnecock, next to the clubhouse, and then like right through, I think it's 10 and 11, or I think it cuts 11 and a half on national. You know, you hit your drive and the, yeah. the ball. So you're just like, wow, like here are these extremely exclusive places, but there's no real fence up around them. It's almost just an understood, it feels like with the, you know, 
the eastern Long Island neighborhoods of like, yeah, you just, you know, you guys just keep your distance, right? Like know your place. Know your place a little bit, which is uh which is a little jarring, you know, because most most of the time in other parts of the country, like there's definitely, you know, private keep out signs and and very obvious like for instance, Peachtree in Atlanta, right? We we went to high school right down the street from Peachtree. I have no clue what that place looks like. It's it's kind of, you know, the secret garden. There's a big green fence around it, you know, but it's it's, you know, maybe five hundred yards from the entrance, eh, probably like a half a mile from the entrance to our high school, you know, and, and sandwiched between like Peachtree Industrial Road and, you know, it, but there's no, you're, you're not, you're not seeing in there. Whereas National felt like, yo, you can look, but you can't touch a little bit. Like if you want to go drive around and, and explore, you can just, you know, don't, don't park here basically. That's how Cypress is too. Yeah. It's funny. You but pull Cypress up National. Cypress even has a little bit more like tree cover you know like yeah, yeah you're on 17 mile drive but it, it there's a there's a bit of a like you gotta peer over the fence yeah, at it. you know true. what i'm saying um it's funny because on on wikipedia one of the first things it says is this private club has been called america's snootiest golf course due to its exclusive nature which is and and i think we can get there but let's let's start with the history so i have a little history from the ngla website you know what little there is on that website um the national the National was founded in 1908 under the leadership of Charles B. McDonald. The golf course was constructed with the assistance of Southampton engineer Seth Rayner. After studying many of the courses in Scotland and England, Mr. McDonald set out to build a first-class course in the United States, in the United States, which would incorporate many of the better qualities of golf courses in the British Isles. So that is from the uh, Website. Anything you'd like to add to that history? Any any facts that you picked up on your visit to National? The excuse me, the National. No, I mean I think they they've got a great book actually, a great uh, club history book. But it's um it's very uh I feel like it's a living history. When you go there, it feels like a museum. That, it feels like you're playing the, golf in a museum. The word that jumps to mind for me too. I would say I would go a step farther and say bunker museum. Oh uh, yeah, there's. Every the bunkers truly feel like sculptures. Every like, t- every type of bunker you could ever imagine, which I got a real kick out of, like yeah. snake little snake bunkers, church pews, micro bunkers. There's like an on seventeen. There's like an inverse bunker where like yeah. the it's like grass in the middle it's and like then like sand City. on the walls. Yeah. It's like what what are we? It's it's like what else can we dream up with these bunkers? Uh, so I I did really really like that. Um, and then I'll, also I looked up because uh, I get a kick out of infrastructure, the history of the windmill. And so this is from the USGA website. So the windmill is kind of the iconic uh, symbol for the national. Um, and I think, uh, so from the website, a, a water tower was initially set on the high point of the property. So the windmill sits, I think it's above, is it, it's above 2T and then like next to yeah. 17T. So like high point of the property, you go way out and then you come back in. Uh, so I think a water tower was initially there, and it said, uh, and the National was one of the first courses in the U.S. to have its own watering system. So it seems like, you know, it was one of those, the first places where there wasn't really any dues. It was kind of just like, hey, I'm going to do this, and then, you know, we'll send you a bill at the end of the year. And it turns out uh, a member, early member, Daniel Pomeroy, an early member of the club, and at the time the president of Condé Nast, suggested to McDonald that a windmill would be a nice touch. In response, McDonald, who not only designed and built the course, but also owned the property on which the club sat, ordered the windmill and had it assembled to enclose the water tower. Whether Pomeroy initially paid for the construction or McDonald simply passed along the bill to him, there's historical evidence to support both versions of the story. 
he is credited with gifting it to the club, which I thought was sweet. It's like, yeah, oh, you want a windmill? Cool. I'll just like, I'll buy one, assemble it, and then I'll just send you the bill. Like, I hope that's the uh, Don Quixote. I hope that's the story that yeah. that's true. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think the, I mean, you could spend, you could do a whole podcast series of 20 episodes on the, on the history of the club, probably. I mean, there's, you know, all sorts of influential members and, and, you know, kind of the founding members and, and all the, you know, amateur golf they've had over the years and, and just kind of, it's a, it seems to be kind of the, the home of, uh, you know, American golf, at least, at least on the private side. Yeah. And I'd say back to the, like the museum analogy, it's definitely more of a, uh, a private collection, uh, a Frick museum or a, a Guggenheim. Um, it's actually funny you bring up Frick. He was, he was one of the founders. Was it? Yeah. yeah. So and it, it versus the, the Met, right? It's not like, there's no, uh, you know, there's no student passes or anything that, that you're getting like you do if, if in the Met. It's like, no, this is some, it, it feels like a wonderful collection of private art, but you need to be invited to, to view it. So it's very, very much a, a private place. And I, I, I have a story. So from when I showed up, I, I got the invite and I was, I was thrilled. I was a little nervous, you know, I was like, okay. So I called Tron the night before and he was with Zach Blair and I was like, great. You know, both you guys, I think you played together yeah, out there. Yeah. We played in a fucking monsoon out there. Yeah. So I, night before I'm like getting ready and I've heard all this, you know, oh God, the lobster lunch and this, you know, you got to wear a suit and tie. And this is, you know, summer of oh, last year, 2020. And so I called, I was like, all right, what's the story? Guys, like, what do do I need to bring a suit? Do I need to bring just a jacket? Can I wear khakis? Like, should I, you know, do, is there locker access? The protocol. Here. What's the deal? I'm trying. I, I literally said I'm trying not to look like a tourist. Like, I want to just feel like I'm comfortable and I have everything I need. Of course, Zach was like, I don't really know. I don't really remember. Like, mate, yeah, I guess Zach's bring it. Zach's probably been there 35. Yeah, like, I guess bring it. You know, and you were like, yeah, yeah, just you know, bring your suit. So of course, I overpack. I just got bring like a, a sport coat. Yeah. Well, I thought, do I need a do I need a tie? You know, and do I need a button down shirt? And so I'm like, okay. So I, I pack all this stuff. I show up, and of course, you drive through these gates, and there's no signs anywhere, right? And so I'm running, not, not late, but cutting it a little close. So I pull up, and the parking lot's not very close to the clubhouse. You got to walk up this hill. So then I'm I'm kind of like, all right, well, I got to put all this stuff down, and and I walk around the side, and there's a, there's a door with waters and masks out in front. I'm like, oh, cool. There's a locker room. Perfect. So I, I go in there and I set my stuff down and I don't see an attendant, but I'm like, now I'm running late. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just put it under this bench here, you know, kind of just out of the way so no one can see it. I look at the lockers. I'm like, oh man, this is cool. You see, uh, you know, CB McDonald's got a locker, Michael Bloomberg. Like, this is really something, man, heavyweights. So I walk out, I walk around the side to the back of the clubhouse, and I'm like, oh, this must be the pro shop. I walk in there. I'm greeted by a uh, locker room attendant, and he's not super friendly. You know, like, what, you know, who, who, who are you with? You know, clearly I'm a guest. Oh, you know, I give him my member's name, and I say, uh, my t he's like, well, you, you're going to be late. Where's your stuff? And I'm like, oh, I put it in the locker room, like on the other side, just like around the corner. You put it where? I'm like, I just, you know, I'm running late. I, that's the founder's locker room. You're not allowed in there. What are you doing? I was like, oh, cool. I'll go get it. He goes, no, no, no. You've done enough. Just, just go. <laughs> I'll get it. I was like, okay. So within five minutes, I basically, everything I spent like 30 to 45 minutes the night before trying to avoid, I like 
undone all that. I almost, I almost doubled down on it. I wanted to say to the attendant, like, dude, if you knew, like, I, did, I tried so hard to prevent this. This is exactly what I was trying to prevent. If you guys just would have put a sign up that said Founders Locker Room, keep out, I would have kept out. But I guess that's the vibe. It's like, if you know, you know kind of thing. So anyway, I get over the first tee, uh, didn't hit any balls, you know, and came out and, uh, and, and, you know, it went well, which was good. But I was a little frazzled, you know. I, would, I was already like, God, man, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a total, you know, pretender. I'm a tourist. Um, so anyway, that, that kind of sums up a little bit of, of the vibe for me. Uh, and then later on, I've heard all about the, uh, the South Side. You know, got to get the South Side at lunch. Have to get the South Side at lunch. Well, you know, I get to the halfway house out there at, at 10. And I, I'm like, I am just, I am jonesing for a South Side. And, uh, you know, halfway house guy, he's like, uh, we don't do those here. I'm like. The guy in the halfway house is the man. Yeah, but he was like, he just looked at me like, yeah. you're a clown. We don't do those here. I was like, okay. What? what? And he was like, you know, and my host was like, well, that's, that's a lunch that's thing. That's the bird cage. That, dude, that's just a lunch thing. I'm like, God. Damn it. And then the best part, the best part is I did all this stuff in the locker room happened and I didn't tell anybody. And then we get, we're, we're playing 36 holes, which was great. And so we finished the, the first round and I go, uh, Hey, yeah, let's, you know, like, do you want, we, we changing for lunch, you know, I'm ready, baby. And he's like, Oh no, man, we're not doing that. It's COVID. We're, we're eating outside. And I was like, Oh my God, I didn't need to bring any of this stuff. So I guess I could have just asked my host beforehand uh, but again, I didn't want to look like a pretender. So I asked you and Zach and not that it's your fault, but you know, I, all of that locker room stuff was for absolutely no reason. So it was just like a, a total, uh, it was epic really. And, and, and it was just kind of one of those Seinfeld moments. Always just ask, just ask your host. I know, I know, but you know how it is. You kind of want to like, uh, when you don't know, ask, I know, but I was trying to go to the, uh, you know, another source. Um, so anyway, sorry to, uh, <laughs> to get us off on a tangent, but, um, what was your what was your experience with the vibe, TC? Uh, it's very. Uh, played Shinnecock that morning and went over there in the afternoon. Like we were the only guys on the course. Um, it was it was like Vietnam rain. I mean, it was like raining up from the ground. It was so it was so rainy, but wanted to play, so we played. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it. I can't wait to get back. It's uh, um. Yeah, it's a living museum, and, and, you know, I didn't feel – I felt like the tie that binded, at least with, you know, maybe not the membership, but just the people that are there, it's more of a – there's a certain sense of appreciation that runs through the place for, for golf, you know. And, and, yeah, you know, it's very exclusive and very, um, you know, kind of high society. But at the, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's about the – you know, history of golf and the history of golf architecture and everything. So there's that kind of tie that binds there. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as far as the, uh, it's funny you said the, the pro shop in the clubhouse. Like, no, that's, that's not going to happen either. You know, up at an old school. I know. I know. <laughs> well, listen, I'm not, I <laughs> not haven't been over. to a ton of these places, right? Like I, yeah. I'm, I, I had a, I had a, I was on a heater last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that to say, like the vibe stuff, I, I felt very welcome. So, like, I I just say that. But that, it, that's my thing. I think everybody was like very conversational, and, and yeah, like I, it, you know, it's 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 not a place that you're meant to feel welcome. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like they they kind of want you to be like, you know, you don't belong, and that's that's fine. And I think everybody who you know, as you play more and more 
exclusive courses, or I guess as I do, you kind of learn the ropes, right? Like as as far as, like you said, just ask your host, right? It's just like, such a blue blood old school place that it's tough to kind of dive into the deep end there. But I've been to a lot of other places where I felt yeah a lot more unwelcome or like I felt very welcome at national. It's just, you know, because, because it's about the appreciation of golf. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, talking about environment or atmosphere, I think, um, halfway house is awesome. It's like my favorite halfway house in the game. Um, they had beef broth, broth, you know, beef consomme in there in an urn. Um, what well, almost felt like the, uh, it, it's like a, it's like a trail hut on the Appalachian trail. Yeah. It's like you're way out on the back corner of the property and you almost feel like, okay, you know, dad's not around like, you know, like, okay. You know, like we're out like, cause once I was out on the course, like it was very, very mm-hmm. laid back, you know, the caddies were, Great. You know, they yeah. were good. One, one, my guy was, he was like kind of apathetic, which I was digging, you know, he was just kind of like, it was great. Like I, I, it was a laid back vibe more so than like a you got to grind and, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a player's club, if that makes sense. It felt like more of a appreciation of golf. Uh, how would I put that? Like, um, like the, the history shines through more so yeah. than like, yo, this, this place is really going to test you. Yeah. I mean, it's shit. It's what 60, you know, championship is under 7,000 yards. You're probably playing it from 64, 6,500. I played the, uh, like the, the one up tees and then the back tees. And I think those back tees were not at the championship yeah. level. Um, but let's get to the golf. What what do you what sticks out? Um, super you know, super kind of handshake opening with Valley and Sahara one and two. Um, but so short that they're kind of awkward. Like yeah. you gotta figure out um, you know, you can you can go at it, you can lay back, you can hit whatever you want off those first two holes. Um they're like, you know, 300 like 315 and then under 300 for the second hole um and then yeah and then you get to the the, the third holes the alps which is so so yeah. for the listeners three blind approaches in a row so the one if you hit it up there close to the green elevated green you can't can't really see it's like going back it's so like, you're hitting an 80 yard shot but it's still blind it's the kind of course where like you know it's tough to play your yeah. first time when you're a guest and you're like where am I hitting here? Where Sahara, you have no idea. It's like, yeah, I think just, you know, cut it off this line. So that's kind of a reachable par four blind approach. And then the Alps hole is, you know, you hit it up to this hill, and that's just like a traditional blind approach, which it's kind of funny. It's like, yeah, someone built a modern course with three blind approaches in a row. <laughs> I don't know if people would really like that. So, And I could see how, like, the one of my favorite holes was the Sahara one simply because – it was gr- like number three at Old Mac is one of my favorite holes at Bandon, and it was great to see like the inspiration for that. It was I was like, oh my god, this is like the original or no, or the no the, the original is a Presswick. Well, the, the so the original in the U.S. Yeah. but kind of like seeing the lineage because I haven't been to Presswick, but I got a thrill out of hitting that shot. Yeah, the first time around, the second time around, I could see the more you play there, the more you'd be like, man, this is this is fr- this is frustrating, right? To hit this like. But it's also like, well, then just hit, you know lay up and hit it in the fairway, and yeah. then and then hit the approach. You just don't you don't have to hit the uh, go for the green there. Yeah, uh, and I think they like the Alps, and then the Redan is number four, which I thought was sweet. Great Redan, yeah, yeah. Again, the Redan's like the original Redan at North Berwick is probably like one of my one of my lesser favorite Redans um, I've played, and then uh, yeah, five you got kind of a 
It's the hog's back. Yeah, hog's right? back. I thought that was an interesting hole. Cool hole. It, a lot of uh, the course isn't long, but I found myself um, off balance a lot. Like yeah, it's tee tough shots, to a lot of change-ups, it. right? It's, it's like, okay, you get into either short some side yourself. weird bunkers or weird lies. But there's no, there's not really any lost balls out there. Yeah, which should be very hard. Which though. is a, a lovely uh, setup for me. So I really like that. And then the, uh, I think there's a par three. A short. A short, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just like, uh, you know, I'm probably not the best person to ask about the specific just because i've only played it once you played it like your second time around did you play it a lot better did you play it a lot differently my scores i shot 74 75 i played great uh i finished my first round with five birdies in a row so i birdied 14 15 16 17 18 and then i birdied number one to start the day sheesh so that was a thrill even the caddy who i mentioned was pretty laid back on 18 was he was hyped when the putt i made like a 12 to 15 footer, like a double Turkey. We, we probably won't see that maybe ever again. So yeah. that was a, a cool place to, uh, to go on a heater. Um, but I was, I was solid, pretty much solid all day. I got into a couple, you know, like I hit it in the bunker on the, on the Redan, you mm-hmm. know, the front left bunker, which is like, that's jail. But, um, you know, you just, you learn like, okay, I'm not, I, I didn't, let me put it this way. My second round, I didn't make the same mistake twice. I made other mistakes, but I was I was able to be like, okay, you kind of learn your lesson. Like, I'm not going to put it there this time around. Um, but there's also some holes where you kind of let your foot off the gas because they almost look like they're a little easier. Yeah. Um, like even like the road hole, it's like, oh, this is there's not there's not a bunch of trouble out here. And then you know the false fronts get you right, or like the uh, the double plateau hole number eleven. You think, oh, this is just a straightforward like kind of long par awesome. four. That whole. Like I've never been a big double plateau guy. Oh, it's like it was my favorite so template. cool to see a green, like all three sections of the green were big enough for like multiple pin locations, and then that back bunker, like pop bunker behind the green, and then I got into some trouble with the false fronts around the sides. Right, it, it doesn't that hole doesn't look scary, and then all of a sudden you're walking off with you know you're you're trying to make a ten footer for bogey, which I thought was was uh, was a thrill. Going back, I think the the windmills like up by two green, right? Two green, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. It's on two, yeah, it's but on two. It's up it, by the green, I think. And then seventeen T is right next to it, or like right below it. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um. Or right, so let's let's let yeah, me so ask you this: what What's your favorite hole out there? Um. Good question. I think. I don't know. There's a couple on the back nine that I really like, you know, I love the Alps. I love the Redan. There's a couple on the back nine that I really, really dug coming in though. Like, uh, uh, the Cape holes really, really cool. And then the narrows hole. I, I, I was blown away by that hole. The narrows is which one? 16. Sorry. Uh, seven or sorry. 15, 15. And, and then punch the bowl punch bowl 16. 16. Yeah. yeah. I think like 14 through 18, um, 18 with like the infinity green, mm-hmm. the uphill holes. Yeah, a little... 18 was such a, uh, such a unexpected hole where, you know, like I had no, I had no idea. Like I'd always seen all the pictures of national and, and everything. I had no idea it was going to be that much, you know, that 18th hole uphill against the, the coastline there Yeah, to, 
you know, this, this, this elevated green, I actually went in the back bunker or one of the two back bunkers and it was, yeah, it was like death back there. Yeah. It, and it's just, it's kind of a, a climb back up the hill. Um, I, I prefer, I like 17 a lot that yeah. kind of get the super cool driving hole, a good view of the property. It's just kind of a Mad Max drive down the hill. And then, um, that, that bunker I was talking about, a bunker complex, I guess, where it was like, there's grass on the top and then it's like waste bunkers on the, like on the sides of the mound. I mean, it was, shit, it just like kind of blew me away. Like the number of, there's insane amount of bunkers on that hole. Like there's, and they're all different. Like there's the, yeah, the little tiny ones up, up by the green and the, you got some weird, weird, crazy stuff going on there. Um, yeah, I just felt like the that closing stretch kind of between like from really the Eden, um, you know, like that those par fours in a row, um, 14, 15, 16, 17. It's just it's awesome. super cool variety. And like you said, it keeps you off balance the whole way in. Um, and then, yeah, as far as like the, you know, going back through, I think the, um, you know, the way that, like some of this stuff's presented to you as you go out towards, um, you know, like seven, eight, nine, ten, kind of out towards that that south end of the property there. Um, there's some some cool stuff there. Like the the long was. I'll ask you, what was your favorite hole? The Cape is up there. Um, I. I I'm a sucker for infrastructure, so kind of the lock system there where the, the, the tide comes in and out, um, that was a great hole. I thought the road hole was like one of the cleaner-looking cleaner, cleaner looking holes out there. It's it's out there in front of you. It's very flat. It looks kind of similar to 11. Um, it almost looks like uh, it's not going to be that hard. And then you get up by the green and all these sh- the short grass, runoff, false front stuff really gets mm-hmm. uh, gets tough. Um and then 11, I think the double plateau, that was kind of an eye-opener for me on, like, what the double plateau template, you know, is. You know, I, I just – I thought that was, like, wow, this – both times I played that hole, I just kind of chuckled. I was like, this doesn't look hard, and I'm just mm-hmm. – you know, I'm making a mess here. Um, so I would say those are my – the the road hole and the and 11 and, and then the um, the cape would be my, my top choices. Well, if you like double plateaus and capes, wait till you play Fishers. That's like the best. The the, the white whale, the Moby best Dick. Best one out there, out man, there. For both of those, I think, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I think going back, like, by the time we got to uh, the Eden, was that 14? The, uh, like, water was, like, pooling. 13. 13? Yeah. Water was, like, pooling on the greens. So That's was- a good-looking hole, too. Um, and it was fun to see – with the Walker Cup there a few years back, some of the tees they put in for that, you know, mm-hmm. for like kind of the, the, I guess, the modern game a little bit. Uh, and you can just picture coming down a stretch in a tournament like that, like in a match. It, it's some really, really fun. Those would be fun shots to watch. Um, you know, golfers much better than myself hit yeah. uh, when they're trying to win something that matters. Yeah, the, going back, the drive on on double plateau is, is sick. Um, and then... The one before that, what's that? The uh, Shinnecock is the name of that one. And I think that's the one. I can't remember if ten or eleven is where the road cuts through, where you you know some like and there's no stop sign or anything. Like cars, there's like a almost like built up grass, so you can see the top of a car. Um, but you know, 
it's like if you you're going to feel like don't don't skull one, you know, the cars going by at 35, 40 miles well, an there's hour. There's a couple roads. There's this White's Lane that cuts through. Um, you actually hit over that on the Eden Hole, and then um, road cuts through Shrubland Road cuts through. Um, looks like number eleven. Eleven, yeah. yeah. So the double plateau. Yeah. So you kind of hit your drive up in front of the road, and then you hit your approach over it. Um, that was a that was a thrill. Yeah, I mean, going back, there's just like just just I'm like overwhelmed just looking at the. Uh, the aerial, because there's just so many, there's so many different kinds of bunkers. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It 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 truly is like it's like Doctor Seuss. I, and when I say bunkers. like a snake bunker, I mean the sand is six inches wide, right? And the bunker kind of like, yeah, kind of crisscrosses over ten feet, twelve feet. You're like, what? What is like? How do you get out of this one? There's like little tiny pop bunkers. There's bigger ones. There's like pop bunkers that have become snake bunkers. I. It's like, man, this is truly like abstract art. It's it's crazy. Dr. Seuss shit. It, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all right. Parting thoughts. What what's uh you know, what's one thing you'll remember? I think I was so overwhelmed by everything that was going on architecturally that I don't think I could even wrap my head around it. Um so it all kind of blends together in my head a little bit where I have distinct memories of certain holes, but as far as like the flow of the round, it almost felt like I was trying to soak up so much on each individual hole and pay attention to them that I didn't, you know, it was raining so hard that it, I didn't get the full flow of the round or the full, you know, kind of macro view of the round. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the kind of place you could, you could probably go there a hundred times, you know, hundred, you could play there a hundred days in a row and learn and, and not just notice one new thing every day. You would notice five new things on every single one of the holes. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, I've, I haven't been the most appreciative of golf course architecture in the past. I think going to national really helped my appreciation of that. Like, I know they're not the source of the templates, but they seem to be some of the best ones it's, in the it's US. It's like a good repository for them. Yeah. And you just, and, and also like you feel the history of like, okay, this course was built, you know, a hundred years ago plus, And, um, I don't know. It's, it's. Like when you go to a museum and you see the real thing, you're like it, they're just there's some gravitas to it mm-hmm. instead of seeing, you know, what's a good replica or what's a good, um, or or a smaller art collection, I guess you could say, right? Like it's it's just like the it's like the Mondo private art collection of golf in the U.S. You know, where there's, there's some other ones, some some other nice clubs. I think it's not necessarily the best stuff, or it's not necessarily like the the greatest piece of i mean it's, it's a great piece of land but it's like it's, it's not necessarily the best but it's like it's the most interesting the yeah. most unique the most um it's it's got a certain uh you know authenticity about it that which is funny because it's all you know it's a lot of template holes from elsewhere so but but it's so it's so unique in that regard to where it's you know and, and it's kind of ever-changing like i don't think they've ever had a you know it's it's kind of like architecture by greens committee yeah, thing where everybody just it's like a there's no like like restoration by a specific guy. Yeah, it's all is you know it's kind of it's just like a it's very um, you know group oriented and, and you know it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different styles. Yeah, I I think I, I feel lucky to have played it. Hopefully, this is a bit of a window into the course. If if uh, you know 
you can't get access to it. Um, if you do have an invite, I would say I would say take it. What do you think, Tron? <laughs> I would recommend the same. Um, I would also say that, you know don't go in the in the founders locker room. Don't go in the founders locker room. Um, you know and and. Check with your host if you need to bring a coat and tie. I think those 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 are our takeaways definitely for me. Um, but it was a fun place to – I'll say this. It was a really fun place to play good golf. You know, I was like, hell yeah. And it's not a hard course, but you're just like, you know what? I'm I'm answering the questions that uh, Mr. Charles Blair is asking me, and I, and I feel like I'm doing a pretty good job of it. I think it's pretty interesting, too, that um, like probably the ultimate flex for uh, – um, Bloomberg is, you, know, you see his house yeah. up on the thing, and it was and it was CB McDonald's house. And I think he owns the one in Chicago. And he owns too. the one in Chicago Golf Club too, which is very, uh, very interesting. Uh, like that's a well, it was really nice of the locker room attendant to give me, you know, the locker right next to uh, Mr. Bloomberg, even though he didn't give know he gave it to me. I was I was uh, I was honored. I was touched by that. <laughs> so good stuff. Yeah, I uh, hope to hope to be back. Hope to hope to continue to learn you know, as much as I can about the place. It's, and it's nice to get a taste of the C-suite life. See how you, that the, uh, the boys have been living, but, uh, you know, we'll have some more crash courses on some, uh, some strap courses coming pretty soon too. So, uh, TC, as always, it's a pleasure. Cheers.